You are listening to The Lift Mindset, where we provide an update from the experts. Today, we have Dan Thompson and special guest Stuart Nyman. They will be answering frequent questions from our clients and also providing a commentary on current events within the market. This podcast does not constitute advice. Hello and welcome to November's investment update from Lift Invest. This month, I'm joined by Stu again, who joined me earlier in the year for a question and answer podcast. And he's here again to answer many of the questions that clients and advisors sent us. So, Stu, very nice of you to be able to join us again. Good to be back, Dan. Now we're in November, we're already almost halfway through the the final quarter of the year and just six weeks shy of of completing 2023. So how have markets been in the the last month? How are they now the year so far as a whole? So last month, markets didn't perform too well with the conflict in the Middle East affecting sentiment, but actually kind of more impactfully for markets, there was a lot of jostling in US politics, i.e. in the in Congress where they decided to depose their uh, their speaker, which has impacted the whole political spectrum in the US, but did really impact the yields on, on US treasuries. And those yields rose, they kind of long-term treasury yields now sit above 5%. And that really had a big impact upon equity markets, particularly US equities. And although our portfolios are more heavily invested in UK rates, kind of generally speaking, markets performed relatively poorly last month, the month of October. However, in the first two weeks or so of, of November, much of that has been has been recouped, as I'm sure we'll mention in the few minutes. Firstly, I think it's really important to decouple the inflation picture from a UK perspective and from a US perspective. And many of the questions that we get are in relation to that UK picture, whereas markets are generally more concerned with the US picture. So kind of on that on the UK point first. So right now, we're we're expecting that there is going to be when the the print for October is released, there is going to be a significant reduction in inflation down to a level of very close to 5%. Expectations today are 4.9% if you read the market. That's still naturally ahead of the Bank of England's target and more broadly kind of developed central bank target of 2% inflation. But it has been coming down significantly in this month. As I say, there's likely to be a big drop. The reason for that is because the price cap, which is in effect in the UK, gets renewed every October. And as it gets renewed now down to kind of a a lower energy price, then that will have beneficial impact on inflation. So that 5% figure in the UK is still high, but a lot better than it was. And we expect that trajectory will continue. We're not expecting there to be kind of a 1% off every month for the next few, but we are expecting there to be over time a a small and gradual drop back to that 2% target within around 18 months time, which might seem like a fairly long period to some, but we think that that is a good trajectory and we don't anticipate there being incredible levels of volatility, but we do think that that kind of path is um, is the most likely one now. There have already been a variety of impacts on inflation, namely Russia last year and now potentially kind of the, the Middle East crisis with Iran potentially getting involved there. But notwithstanding that, we think that the, the path of, of inflation is now lower and that means that it's less likely that we do see rate hikes across the board and it's more likely that within the next 12 months, we, particularly in the UK, 
begin to see some rate cuts. Naturally, when we get to this time of year, there are various different views from investment banks coming out around their views for next year. And many of them are predicting in the next two years, there being around two and a half percent in total rate cuts from, from the UK and the US, which is well ahead of the markets. And that dynamic, if there are interest rate cuts well ahead of what the market currently prices, creates an environment which is very positive for both bonds and equities. What are your views, Stu? Are they generally in line or do you want to pick up on anything nuanced there? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, it's it, it's easy and fun to be critical of the, uh, the Bank of England. I, th- I think when they target an inflation number, and you allowed inflation to get to double digits when the target's 2%, that something's gone a bit wrong. And so we know that both the Fed and the others that follow the Fed, the Bank of England, the ECB, were, were caught out napping really on, on the inflation surge. And so they've been playing catch up and really putting rates up when inflation numbers were higher. Unfortunately, inflation is a lagging indicator. So what that means is that they're raising rates into an already slowing economy, which means they'll almost certainly have overdone it. That's my sort of little patter that I they give out every month. So I think that the US is a more resilient economy than the UK and the UK is going to suffer. And that's why forward interest rates for UK have were starting to come down quite early and continue to come down. Recently, we've seen a stop in the rate cycle. But essentially, we've had tightening financial conditions. If we go back to 2020 and pre, we had QE, we had rates being kept very, very low. And since then, we've had QT restarting and we've had rates rising. And so and and add in that, that once you start to get some, I suppose, some loans not being repaid and tightening of credit conditions from the, the banking sector, then that's another financial tightening condition as well. So it looks like we we could skirt up or likely go into some some recession and the rates will be falling in 24. I think 2024, assuming the geopolitical backdrop is stable and that is a very big assumption that we should start to see the real economy, meaning that we're seeing slowing down in just the financial works and therefore rates need to be cut. I think that we're back to a normal a normal cycle. I'm very bullish on the fixed income markets and bullish for, for rate cuts. And I think that's going to be good news for, for mortgage holders as, as well. So there's a, a lot to navigate through that. So I think that's my backdrop, inflation falling, it's going to take a long time to fall to target, but there'll, there'll be some wiggle room for, for rate cuts is where I'm seeing it. I mean, I know we've, we've talked about this a little bit as well, and we, we should go on that. What, though, is the other stuff that's going on, the geopolitical backdrops, that either is going to be helpful or could hinder that? I know one of the questions we keep getting asked, which is understandable, the events in the Middle East, which at the moment are seen to be contained, but what could happen there and what is happening there that, that will affect um, markets generally? Thanks, Stu. Yeah, so we have several questions around the Middle East. How does it affect the UK economy? How well equipped portfolios? And if the situation gets worse, what might the outcome on, on portfolios and markets be? So kind of covering all of those within this answer. So in reality, the, the conflict there has been going on for a little over a month now. Naturally, it has impacted sentiment. And with it being in the Middle East, has also had 
an impact upon energy markets, given that kind of the Middle East is a huge exporter of oil and producer of oil. Breaking down the different areas, so in reality, kind of sentiment is is generally fairly short term. There was, as I mentioned in October, a general move downwards in in markets, but as it's kind of continued and Iran has remained on the sidelines of that conflict, some of that sentiment has already come back. The energy markets, though, kind of if if there is a larger conflict and there is a larger impact upon the production of oil, then oil prices likely move higher. That's bad for inflation. That's these interest rate cuts that we've just been talking about may not happen quite as quickly and and that would would be negative likewise growth is the other side of the equation and actually there is potential disruption in in shipping lanes coming through the you know around kind of that region and and that again might have supply chain impact like we saw in covid there there are lots of different elements to it many of many of them are negative because at the moment it's expected that that growth is pretty stagnant so if that gets even worse then you know that's that's not a great outlook there's also kind of as i mentioned in the us there's been this talk about fiscal spending in the us and wars at kind of a cost for a government and if there is a big big war and a larger conflict then that requires more funding and probably moves even more focus towards kind of the, the spending in the us which as we know means that the rates probably move higher and kind of yield to the market move higher so there is there is a lot of concern a lot of worry for potentially what the conflict may mean however as i say the conflict's been going on for a month now and I keep mentioning Iran because kind of there the the conflict may escalate means that Iran might have some control over their exports of oil which has broader negative ramification and Hezbollah being involved in Palestine who they fund so plenty of negative impact but so far it looks to be contained so much of the sentiment which was initially a negative for markets has has come back Um, and likewise oil prices rose by around five percent in October but Today, oil price is already back to below where it was at the beginning of the conflict and in the early days of of October. So, so far, it looks to be contained. There are concerns. There always are for this kind of conflict. There are a few positives if it does become a broader conflict. One thing that we are thinking about for next year is potentially if this does become a big foreign policy issue, then does that affect the potential winner of the, the 2024 US election? And that does have different ramifications and some of which in fact could be positive for markets at least so that you know we we are kind of aware of everything that's going on and we are making sure that we're positioning portfolios effectively for various potential eventualities in terms of that we have been making a few changes so we have increased the the exposure to energy type businesses across portfolios we have also been kind of moving more towards quality type side of of equity markets so when there is volatility and potential significant drawdowns that quality element of of businesses and of stocks begins to come through and we've we have held a fairly high quality position on the equity side of portfolios for a good good while now which because we although kind of covid was was short and sharp we, we really haven't seen a prolonged negative market uh, and there is 
the potential that is one if this conflict does get larger, hence why we've been focusing on that quality characteristic within portfolios. And bonds, I mean, yes, there are kind of positives and negatives of bonds. You know, our, our outlook generally is that rates may get cut, but in times of conflict and in times of significant economic strife, bonds generally do very well. We already were kind of looking quite favourably on bonds. And if anything, we're increasing that optimism that, that bonds are, are a good tactical view to invest right now. Okay, Stu. So with that in mind, there is uncertainty out there. There have been various questions come in around cash and kind of the better returns that they now offer compared to just a few years ago. So what's your opinion on investing in cash versus bonds and fixed income? It's been a long while since actually you got anything on any return on cash. So it's, it's come back into vogue as a, as a question. I mean, in the long run for bond markets, the question of should it be in cash or bonds has generally been the, the time when bonds are, have looked strong then actually is a good time to be in cash for safety. And then when bonds look weak, uh, then uh, it's time to go back into bonds before they're rallying. So bonds have actually been weak for two years. And so although I think a holding in cash is a very sensible thing to have, if like me, you think the bonds are going to rally, you want to be invested in bonds. Now, where you should be on the curve, that is a more difficult question. You know, you're, you're tending to get uh, a lot of volatility in 30-year. That's really not, not really for the faint-hearted to invest in 30-year, but normal cycle like 5 and 10-year are the place to be and uh, investment-grade credit. So I, th- I think that the view uh, we have uh, on the lift portfolios is it's a good time to invest it in bonds, to have some duration on board and, and to have, have credit and 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 see this rally and if you get a series of rate cuts if you if you're going to get one rate cut and then rates rise again you don't want to be longer bonds but if you're going to get a series of rate cuts for instance if you think inflation is going to fall and the economy is going to go into recession then that's usually when you should be holding bonds so so for, for, for me i think that the the time is right to be holding bonds and so not hold cash if you are someone who doesn't like the volatility and actually you can live off the great cash returns then fine go ahead and have the cash returns but if you're a longer term investor um, then i think that's some very, very good returns to have by owning bonds and if it's some great credit here. And I'm going to throw to you, Dan, the question, which we get quite a lot, which is what about the cash rates versus the overall returns on the portfolio? Should we be investing cash now on the whole portfolio or should we be in the normal portfolios and, and have our normal normal cash holding? What do you think on that? Thanks, you. Yeah, I mean, I, I really echo kind of a lot of the comments that you've just made around fixed income markets. You know, there, there is a question that's coming off Ed, are bonds back? I think the more fitting question may be the outcome which bonds historically have offered back. And I think, as you've just said, it is really when economies do poorly, bonds do particularly well. And really, they provide that diversification for broad portfolios where if everything goes well and economies do pretty all right or well, then equities do well and bonds generally don't do quite as well because you know inflation is a bit higher and interest rates remain a bit higher. And likewise, if everything kind of goes poorly, then bonds do quite well because rates get cut and likewise, equities do swell. Hence, you know, although recency bias has us all thinking about how markets performed in 2022, in reality, I think both bonds and diversification within portfolios are back and therefore kind of not only on the bond picture, but also in a more holistic and longer term sense, I believe that 
investment portfolios and whether you're a cautious client or you know moderately adventurous wherever you may sit i think that all portfolios will unlike in 2022 perform over the long term more akin to expectations i.e bonds will generally be lower volatile lower return but equities will be higher volatile and, and a higher return so i yes there is uncertainty but i think a lot of it is markets are already conscious of and i think it is very short-term sentiment but if you can pick times when sentiment is generally negative sentiment will be average and will not be particularly positive or particularly negative and i think over the long term if you can can pick those points then then you do quite well if, if you are someone that can pick those points kind of time after time then let me know you know i'd like to hire you because that's basically the the difficulty is is the timing of markets and we don't believe that you you really can what we do believe however is that remaining invested through hell or high water will generally give you the best outcome that time in the markets is better than timing the markets so yeah there is naturally uncertainty but i do think that certainly many of the changes that that we make both in fixed income and equity markets positions as well for many of the the potential outcomes which we envisage okay Stu. so you've asked me more broad question around cash versus portfolios there is question we have off neil here regarding can i expect returns of 4.8 percent seems unexciting could do better in savings so yeah so just kind of unpicking this because we we have had various questions similar to this over the last few weeks so when turns no matter where you're where you're invested when you look at the returns over the last 12 months you may see you know, low single digit returns and now when you look at the cash markets you can get higher returns than what you've attained over the last 12 months in, in investment portfolios so where does that sit kind of how do we square that circle with you know cash seems to be offering more than investment markets do well i think the, the important thing here is one is a historic figure i.e when you look in the value your any valuations and you say okay you know i've made made or lost x amount over the last 12 months that's historically speaking and if you go back 12 months and you think of cash rates 12 months ago were around two and a half percent so if you've done better than two and a half percent then actually you've beaten cash despite what cash is cash now offers today so when you look at cash and you say okay you know a little over four percent maybe higher in some places that is for the future for the next 12 months so do we believe that four and a bit percent is is likely for investment markets and it's a very short-term figure we we wouldn't ever say over the next 12 months we expect to return x or y but what we do believe is that with interest rates already being hiked and many of the many much pain being suffered by investors already we believe that that base for expected returns moving forward over the long term is far greater than it was 12 months ago so even if cash does offer you four and a bit percent we believe that you can get more than that by taking on more risk you know whatever that cash rate is is basically your lowest risk asset and therefore your lowest returning asset when you add in corporate bonds as you mentioned you know high quality corporate bonds investment grade type credits that you mentioned earlier Stu we expect that you can get greater return than that cash but with greater volatility and likewise with equities the same again that we expect there'll be an equity premium there but you'll also have to stomach more volatility so that's where we sit you know I, I wish that I could sit here and tell you that the specific figure for what what different types of portfolios can offer but naturally I can't because sadly I don't have a crystal ball but we broadly are very positive on the absolute returns of, of investment from here on out. By the same token, another question from Keith here. Do you think I'll get more leaving my investments in equities over the next 12 months than I can get guaranteed on cash? 
generally in building the diversified portfolio approach that we follow in the long run the returns will be better there's almost like if you if you think of that chart which goes cash as the left hand side and it's a line that's pointing upwards and the more risk you take the more return you get so cash you then have short-term bonds you have longer-term bonds and then you have equity you have investment grade credit along there so the more more risk take the more return you get but then if you diversify the portfolio which is the point of the lift invest portfolios then the overall return is smoothed as well i'm reminded of the of the chart you put on the last monthly meeting which, which showed how you can really reduce volatility by diversification and i think that that's that's our approach and so in the long run you can get better returns but in the short run you will get worse returns because of the the, the short-term volatility. And I think that leads me into not only that question that you just asked, but also Anna's, Anna's question, I know, that which uh, she asks every time, which is which is right, which is to say, what well, you know, now that we've seen this sell-off on bonds, are we ever going to make those returns back? And I think that if you purely were a bond investor and you'd put all your money in when interest rates and yields were near zero and you had to take your money out, then you're going to have lost a lot of money. But if you own bonds of part of a big diversified portfolio, and you put money in every now and again, you take money, you're a long-term investor, then you're going to reap a lot of returns from the enhanced yields we're having and the bull runs we should be getting when rates get cut. And also you're going to make benefit from the diversification. It's a long time since we've had two negative years on bonds. There's still a little bit of time left in this year for, for a very big rally, but, but assuming we stay here, then then it's been a very, very long time. But, but normally bonds bounce back with a vengeance and so so I think that to answer both of those questions in one go, the returns are there both from the bond side and from the portfolio as well. That's what I would say. Thanks, Stu. Yeah, I think I think that's a really important point to make that, you know, we, we never just look at fixed income in, in isolation. We always think of it kind of in terms of the, the broader portfolio. And, you know, we have been moving gradually over the last 12 months slightly more towards bonds because we do think that they are generally more attractive but not like we're just looking at the fixed income and thinking need to get returns here because we know that we can also invest in equities and really we do believe in diversification now more than ever that now that interest rates are at five percent there thereabouts that now that that diversifying characteristic that we, we've mentioned a few times kind of will, will really come through in the the uncertain future that is ahead of us with all of that Stu I'm, I'm just going to move forward to you know we've got a few questions on outlook for 2024 you know, these are very kind open questions so you know Stu I'll kind of ask them straight what do you envisage to be biggest challenges and opportunities in 2024 well I'll start with opportunities and I think that you know whenever the investment committee meets we're looking through everything that's going on we certainly can't predict all the twists in terms of geopolitical events we're not trying to decide what we think inflation is going to do over the next month or two we're looking we're looking long term and for long term holders and really we were risk managers trying to see through the investment horizon and i i think that what we discuss every time is that it's just not in china's interest it's not in america's interest it's not in a lot of countries interests to make things worse that the china's got a, a real estate problem that's going on well flagged the cost of funding all these wars is great inflation's been a problem paying off debt the us is it's costing them a trillion dollars in the last year to pay interest on on debt these are numbers that can't continue so it's in everyone's interest to have a little bit of diplomacy 
sea and steady the ship a little bit and just see things stabilise. Not only do we need to see the interest charges on, on the debt reduced, we need to see the economies improve. We need to see the tax receipts that come from improved economies work well. And we need to see just everyone having a little bit of money to spend and live their lives and not struggle. And so all those things point to it's in everyone's interest to come to some diplomatic solutions to steady the ship. We've got Biden and Xi meeting in the APEC conference in the next few days. Uh, hopefully that goes ahead. Hopefully that can, that can be a little bit conciliatory. So I think we the, the optimistic view is that we're going to see some conciliation on the events over the next few years, not looking in, in now and next few years, maybe we just have to get used to some conflicts going on. Not nice, but we have to get used to that. But that seems to be the backdrop every meeting. And then in terms of the inflation outlook, let's be the positive side again. Inflation falls faster than we think. Maybe we have mild recessions, but nothing too bad enough that we can cut rates without upsetting the bond markets. And that actually then we see bond markets rally, we see asset prices rally, and we see the economies just get back on their feet. That I would say is the positive side. I'm going to ask you then what you think, Dan, you would say on the positive side. And then we can discuss maybe after that what the headwinds are. But what's your positive, if you had the positive take on the outlook for 24? I think because, as we've mentioned, kind of there has been a fair bit of pain taken in, in certain parts of the market over both the last two years and even just the last month when we look at the US. I think that the challenge for me really is as we move into 2024, how economies cope with, with higher for longer rates. Yes, they will get cut, but we're so used to a world where rates are three sub three percent just around COVID, you know, half of a percent. How do economies and consumers adapt to this new environment where rates are greater than they were and when when a rate is now three percent when it was half a percent or when a rate was six percent when it used to be two and a half percent you know they are very big changes it's not it's not the same as if, if rates are 18 percent when they used to be 15 although the, the same the difference is is three percent you're still used to there being high rates here if you're you hopefully getting used to kind of rates being in a more normal level than the very very low levels that they were two years ago and i think that that's the biggest challenge and that's clearly a challenge that's been faced in the US and something the markets have been picking up on in the last few months. The flip side of that is, yes, it is a big challenge, but if it can be overcome, then there's potentially a very big opportunity there. Something that we're particularly mindful of right now is the bond piece particularly in the US, although we're not currently exposed very much, but we are certainly discussing whether whether we should be looking to, to add to those kinds of places, because as you mentioned, a lot of it is risk managing and does the potential reward offset the risk that's there. And, and there are various different angles, different areas of opportunity that, that we see. But the question, biggest opportunity, biggest challenge, I think both sit with, with that rate side of things for me. What about you, Stu? Yeah, I, I think that it's taken longer to get to this position than I think I believed. And I think that many on the IC believed and the inflation was a little bit stickier and rates had to go up a little bit higher than we would have wanted. I think that's that's fair. There are geopolitical headwinds out there. I don't think it's in anyone's interest to let that get worse, but there the have been geopolitical situations 
for years. Perhaps it, uh, it will always be the case. What I find interesting and concerning is the what's going on in the 30 or the longer end of bond markets, which have shown quite a bit of weakness. And in the US, you know, China has been reducing their holdings quite aggressively. In, that will be interesting in you know several cycles down the road. Are we starting to see buyer strike in the longer end? The other thing that I find interesting that had been a headwind was Japan had tried yield curve control, buying bonds and keeping them at a particular set yield. And they've kept having to move that yield higher, the yield target higher, and have taken quite a hit on the currency. Jury's still out on where that strategy is going. But, you know, that may well be the long to in the long term where we get to on bond markets. So there are some long term interesting plays that we won't know the answer to probably for several cycles, but are, are setting themselves up. And I suppose another interesting one is I don't think it's a question of will there be rate cuts and a rate cutting cycle and lower inflation cycle, but what will happen next? Will inflation stabilise or will we see a resurgence? That is a, a question we've got to answer. And I think on the IC, we are wary of we are wary of some resurgence, but we've got to watch out whether there'll be a large resurgence. The other thing we discuss as an IC is whether our cash holding should be invested at some point. And, and the irony always in investing is you want to invest at the worst times when the markets are down and not at the best times to get the best returns. You want to disinvest in when things look good. Always seems counterintuitive at the time because sentiment is the opposite to what you should be doing. And it's, so we're, we're trying to navigate that. So, so a lot to go on. And then, of course, we haven't even mentioned 24 is election election cycle that dominates the certainly the political agenda. So we'll see a lot of, of, of campaigning on that, both in the UK and in the US. And we've already start, started to see it in the UK, the election campaigning. So, yeah, so that's going to be interesting to see what happens. But I think on balance, I'd stay very positive not just because where we are in the cycle, but also because I, I believe it's in all the country's interest to actually get growth going, get bond yields lower and have a little bit of stability. The high probability is that's the outlaw we're going to go for into 24. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Stu. Well, I think that's all the questions exhausted, but really appreciate you coming on and, and joining me today and answering all of those. I'm sure that it won't be too long into the new year before we get you back again. Look forward to speaking to you all again next month. Thank you for listening. We hope you have learned something new today from our experts. If you would like to find out more, please visit our website www.lift-invest.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe to hear more from the Lift Mindset.